0: Welcome. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Nordics, a podcast constructed to enrich our tech community by connecting some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I am Christopher Ashbridge, and I help connect businesses with talented freelancers and I will be your host. Today I'm joined by Sunren and um, from Norway Management. His current project is Director of Engineering at Capital, Capital with a Q. Um, next with Henrik, Henrik currently working through Tronic AB. He's recently just left Universum as Head of Technology and looking for his next gig. Awesome. And last but not least, Simia, who is the co-founder of a, a company called, what's it called, Simia? I I'm sorry.
1: Kitab Cloud.
0: Have Thank yeah. you very much. I was checking my notes. And I realized I put the wrong company down again. <laughs> so here we're going to talk about being interim tech in leadership. Pretty cool. Pretty awesome. I know a lot of you guys have been in this industry for quite some time. So it'd be great to hear your insights. I know you've came to me with some fantastic questions as well. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, let's do a sort of round of introductions. Henrik, would you like to go first?
2: Yeah, sure. So first of all, thanks for having me, Christopher. Um, and uh, my name is Henrik. I'm based in Stockholm. I've been working in tech uh, 25 years, and uh, the last three years I've been interim and CTO. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to have a chat with this fine gentleman about these topics. So here I am.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you very much. Sumir, I'll let you go next.
1: Sure, sure. So my name is Samid, I've been in the IT field for a little bit less than Henrik, although I feel pretty old. (laughs) So I've been in it for about 11 years. uh, My background is in programming. I'm pretty hands-on. I still develop on a daily, Um, but on the last three, four years, I've been more of an architect tech lead, and now I'm running two startups, one which is uh, Kitab Cloud. Let me say that again, Kitab (laughs) Cloud. (laughs) And... um, and another one called Spectrum, which is a med tech company. But my focus is uh, definitely with the GitHub Cloud right now. So, and as Hendrik, I'm very happy to be here. So let's get it started.
0: up Cloud, I've got it now. I'll remember it now. Thank you very <laughs> much. And last but not least, Suren. Uh,
3: thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, my background, I, I've started in uh, finance and uh, accounting and tax law, and then. Uh, pivoted hard and went into computer science and then have kind of zigzag between product roles and tech roles with a lot of the leadership focus and uh, I'm really enjoying having interims roles where you thrown into something and uh, have to make decisions fast and learn everything about something. So here I
0: am. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, here we go. And now we've got a good context of each other. We know exactly who we are and what we've done. Now let's talk about what we're here to talk about, which has been an interim and tech leadership of tech leader. So, I've reached out to all of you, you've all had experience with this, you've all came with perfect questions. Now, we'll start off and talk to Henrik's question. Now, Henrik, you came to me and asked about um, what are your thoughts on a CTO being an interim and how do you combine sales of yourself and delivering consulting assignments? Now, can you sort of summarize what you mean by this, please?
2: Yes, of course. Uh, So uh, we could say there are two portions of that question. So The first one is about the concept of interim. I mean, even this term in in, in the field, in the workplace is quite uh, modern in the sense that uh, maybe it was more of a consulting thing. And then with the, you know, the growth of gigs and freelancing uh, for various reasons uh, across the globe, now we have this world of interims. And so the interims may sort of refer to perhaps uh, more management roles or leadership roles or senior roles compared to, you know, whatever you know, more junior roles. So then you have this phenomenon, or you you could say that, okay, if you have a tech leader, one uh, basic assumption might be that that person should, you know, be the captain of the ship sort of. And from the first uh, bite of code until, you know, maintaining or running the the tech part of some type of company or or business uh, for a longer period. So it could be a contradiction in terms of saying Hmm. tech leader interim. So, uh, I mean, I guess we all are some sort of evidence that this uh, is not true then, that you can actually be in need of perhaps sh- short term or more interim solutions. That was sort of the starting point because, mm. I mean, I, I work a lot with recruiting uh, various roles developers and others in product teams right so because i need them when when i work somewhere and of course it's evident in the job market that you know there is a pyramid in that sense you don't need uh, so many leaders to uh, switch light bulbs right as compared to the people who work hands-on in that sense so that's the aspect so of course it's natural that you have fewer ctos than let's say back or front-end developers and the second part is more than in the practical work, you know, since this, this side of business with interim is quite new, many of the recruitment agencies and HR companies have turned on the signpost and said we do interim, but mm. is is the Swedish market ready for it? Is it sort of too immature? And uh, I mean, in terms of finding assignments, would you, you know, post your bets on having agencies as mm. Middleman, or would you sort of actively try and knock some doors to do I mean direct sales to potential clients on your own that was yeah. the second part of the
1: extended qu- question yeah if I can jump in on that I think uh, you touched on a very important point which is the the interim part of having like interim leadership is that something uh, like a long-term goal that a company can rely on or is it something just temporary filling in someone's position until we can find someone that is dedicated to us and someone i mean c-level managers normally obviously normal but in many cases uh, they own a part of the company so they're not dedicated only to the monthly salary but also to the long-term vision mm. and i think um, maybe once again there's a lot of maybes in this question but uh, mm. maybe an interim cto wouldn't be as dedicated um, to the long-term vision rather than uh, what you also touched upon is uh, um, you know our image we want to kind of build our our own branding by being an interim mm-hmm. and so i think it's a balance which and uh, you know there's no one correct answer to this question but no it's, it's just my input
3: if i could continue on this i think there you know i don't think interim is the hammer the tool that fits uh, every nail uh, but uh, interims really uh, play An important part, maybe when you want to build up an organization fast, or maybe Mm. correct its course, uh, and then when the interim is done, can hand over to people that are very good at uh, maintaining and keeping the course uh, that this interim has helped to set up uh, Mm. or initiate. I mean, uh, there there is, of course, the challenge of finding a really good interim that can quickly step up. uh, correcting things, uh, but I would say as an interim, you also get the chance to meet very many organizations, mm. uh, uh, how different organizations work, and then you have, a, over time, you build up a toolbox of things uh, that you can kind of apply in different, in different situations, which I actually honestly think you may be lacking if you've been in the same company, even on a mm-hmm. strategic level for a mm-hmm. long time. Sure. So, Uh, I think that's the niche in the market for Interims and, Mm. uh, of course, usually you can see in a company with tech debt and uh, other related problems that, of course, there's a history to why things look that way in that company. Mm. And then I think it could be really helpful for many organizations to, to have someone step in and see it from the outside and mm. uh, maybe bring a lot of these, uh, why are you doing it like this questions, but maybe nicer asked. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes. But I would also continue on to the practical side. And their thing. I mean, my experience is that when you're in an assignment, you're like kind of head in you eat, sleep and try to learn everything about this new company. then mm-hmm. I would say that getting your next gig, that's a job onto itself. And there you can, I'd say, uh, take great help by having a middleman that is focused on that know the market and selling you onto the yes. next uh, gig. Thank you. But I
2: mean, both your uh, comments and inputs here are so spot on. And I recognize a lot of that, you know, I think of assignments and, and, uh, many of those traits are, you know, I, I, can refer to. So, yeah. uh, and that's the that's, uh, last part here uh, with uh, you're completely dedicated. I mean, the purpose is that you need, you know, roll up your sleeves and get cracking and get things done. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of what the situation is, is it sort of growth or is it something broken or is it, and what is broken? Is it architecture systems, running systems, future systems? Is it people, is it ways of working, uh, mm. Is it some commercial challenge, whatever. Mm. So uh, there's no time to sort of, oh, I'm going to call people and ask if they have a nice day and they may need an interim. So mm-hmm. there's a natural specialization. I'm I'm just reflecting on this since you can sometimes sort of Hold on. I also want to be influencing my own destiny.
1: <laughs> mm, so, uh, true.
2: You could say okay, a, 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 a sweet sort of destination would be that you have your established your sort of self as this in this role. So you don't, you sort of need to turn down requests instead of uh, chasing. So mm, to yeah. I guess that goes for all types of, you know, uh, persuasion, if it's sales or if it's any other way, you know, it's always nice to be sought after,
3: right? True. Yeah, you, you hope you end up in that situation that you have done a good job so people will remember you and kind of call you up when they need you um, mm. uh, but uh, sales is uh, i mean yeah. it's a different task and i think there you need someone that also have a contact with many uh, companies that maybe also can tell you where you would fit in mm. but uh, i remember one my Last assignment uh, finished, and I, I told that to my uh, I have an adult son. I to- told him that uh, oh now my assignment is up and I'm looking for the next. And then he replied, so now you're sold to the highest bidder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're on the market now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, you can make fun of those things. It's a, uh, it's a bit like, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, of course you are as some sort of merchandise, but I guess, uh, every person is, you know, since that's what we're bringing in our personalities and our competence sort of to deliver
1: mm-hmm. some sort of. Uh, Value result, to the company. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also on the point of outsourcing, you know, as a um, CTO, I think that one of the main skills that you need to kind of, um, sharpen on is the, the your ability to outsource uh, to others in your company. And mm. if you're trying to do sales yourself and recruiting and you also need to, you know, be responsible mm. for the tech stack and the team and the that <laughs> and, and uh, it's just, you know, you, you're never gonna be expert on anything. You're just gonna buy scraping no, on the surface no, and a lot of things. Definitely so. a risk. Yeah. So being a magnet, average
2: uh, to... special, you know, people who who are doing their
0: thing, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, very true.
0: Jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw the controversial thing out there. Um, obviously, being a recruitment broker, you mentioned that obviously, is it better to go through an agency? Is it better to knock, knock down doors? Have you not tried to look for a, like a recruitment broker that focuses on C-level um, positions?
2: Actually, the first guy who is sort of positioned himself doing this. Uh, he he just, uh, I mean, we had a conversation the other day. So mm. it's, uh, it's very, very, very fresh. It's the first guy I ever saw who said, I'm only focusing on the interim CTOs.
0: Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Because yeah. that's
2: the thing with those, if you just look at the volumes in the market, so let's say in Stockholm right now, there might mm. be a need, uh, uh, an active need from positions on uh, let's say 500 front-end developers or 300 front-end developers 300 back-end developers and four cto's so the public uh, ads right now for cto's is a company called cab online and then for the identity bank id and then there's one more called uh, i think fresca and trade doubler so four cto positions are open in the market right now not Mm -hmm. in in then of course and there's sort of a hidden need with companies who really don't want to shout out loud that they uh, have some uh, need Uh, so uh, just a reference to sort of the volumes so on the other side being being a recruiter saying I only specialize in a specific uh, role where there are only four active needs at the moment that might make your sort of universe of target customers and leads a bit small though yeah. i i do understand that sort of the agencies with that that are larger that they focus on the volume position yeah it doesn't make it any easier though so to say i mean no no know. it just makes it harder yeah <laughs> so. yeah so that's also some you know starting point for my question mm. and more of you know reflecting on this with you guys just to hear yeah, your yeah. thoughts and ideas
1: yeah and uh, also- I, I think Go
3: ahead, I think there's a, like a uh, watershed between ordinary like tech roles, uh, product managers, front end, back end developers. That that's one type of agency, and there's another type of agency that only that are specialized in like executive positions, where CTOs is just one mm-hmm. one uh, branch of that. Uh, yes. Um, Uh, And uh,
2: there, I mean, I've been working for two of them, like they are like the biggest in the Nordics and they are very, very immature when it comes to tech. Since, (laughs) you know, for 3000 years, they can work with traditional roles, sort of CEOs and Mm. finance, you know, but tech is sort of, oh, uh, and they often, you know, o- open with saying, you know, um, I don't really know so much about the tech part, but still we can talk about leadership and stuff. So mm. so it's obvious that it's quite fresh to them as well. This this corner in, in the sort of leadership uh, uh, or management teams.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's a very sensitive topic. I mean, the CTO is such a huge position on, on a company, especially for smaller startups. You know, you don't want to yeah, you know, a wrong recruitment can cost you cost you the company basically. If you're uh, at that definitely. level, so it's a very sensitive topic.
3: Mm. But if you turn it around, now when I came into tech, it was surprising to me how how long time it has taken before it's actually a requirement to understand tech in a C <laughs> level position. Like, mm. I mean, I think the Corona pandemic really showed either you're online and you have a system that supports you, or you have no business. Mm. Uh, So I think that in the C-suite, kind of the CTO is the hidden uh, master because everything depends on him or her and uh, you have really also to make good business decisions, you need to understand. And be yes. very yes. familiar with. tech.
0: No, that's that's definitely <laughs> true. True. Okay, that sounds like we have a really good discussion there. Hey, Henrik, do you have any sort of closing thoughts of what's been discussed?
2: Well, uh, like Soren mentioned, that's uh, this point of interims adding a, 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 a different value than your line potential candidates or line managers, managers which may be missing out, and that's why you need an interim. So, so we bring a special value in terms of broader experience and this shorter uh, uh stretch to get started etc and that we're used to those situations so i think that's that's a uh, uh, conclusion and then in terms of then combining sales then perhaps we learn we 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 agree on uh, sticking to your own uh, area and let let the specialists focus on what they do best I, ie agencies or uh, yeah, search companies, etc. This
1: is music for Christopher Sears.
0: Yes. Sally, <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys aren't mobile developers,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but of course, the, I think I was something to surround about this the, the other day. Like, we talk to a lot of people. Um, if anything comes about, then we're like, hey, yeah, of course. But we, within our business, we, we have our own specific areas that we we, what we focus on, and that's our that's our area. And um, we try and stick within that area. It's, it's the best thing to do. Yeah. Um. However, sometimes roles do come up other other' working like "Oh right, okay, I know the right person for this hmm. and then that that that's that, that can happen from time to time but um it's it's all a matter of who you know, and if someone that specializes in c t o roles then hey they're definitely the worth worthwhile person to come and speak to and yeah. um, compared to someone that focuses on say mobile or some, something else and um, so that's what i definitely recommend. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, selling myself too much. (laughs) Let's move on to the the next mission. Mm -hmm. And so we'll we'll come to you next. Um, Now you brought the question of the strategic CTO versus the operational. Mm -hmm. And what factors are essential for planning your schedule? Mm -hmm. And when do you outsource operation and dependent? on what factors so yeah. can you elaborate further for me please
1: sure sure so just to give you a background of that so uh, my current role, i'm cto for this Kitab cloud and uh, i started uh, as an uh, as an architect and kind of moved on from programmer to architect to cto so i've always been hand on operational basically i've always been coding and doing the coding part and i think as a cto you know coding takes a lot of time coding is a passion by itself and um uh, being on a hundred percent operational, even though maybe I would want to, it wouldn't be fair to my other developers expecting me to, to, you know, to keep in contact with the stakeholders, to know the next step, to be part of the bigger picture, and kind of as uh, Hendrik also mentioned, you know, kind of being the captain of the of the of the ship and letting them shine and letting everybody shine on their respective positions. So, when do you kind of um, divide that? Like, when do you take a step back from your baby, say, hey, I trust my team now to take this over and I, um, I'm gonna leave this part of coding. I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna leave the code reviewing. I'm gonna leave the architecture design stuff and just solely focus on my developers, um, you know, doing their part and me as a strategical CTO is um, uh, being the, the reason that it happens. So that's the balance line. You know, you still want to make sure that your code is, says your name on it. You still want to make sure that it's, uh, quality assured according to your standards but at the same time you want to you know make time for everything basically <laughs> uh-huh. you want to do everything in your company um and that's me coming from like a small startup now we're we're not more than six people in, in tab cloud and, and similar in the spectrum. so just to give a perspective so what do you guys think how do you balance that act of being strategical putting your taking a step back looking to the bigger picture and being operational getting your hands you know deep in the code and and writing and doing the whole thing what do you think
2: Shall I? Yep. I was happy to let someone else talk after my long rambles. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think it's a great question because this challenge comes with all, you know, especially when you mention startups, you know, so one, of course, very important factor is your team size. Mm -hmm. And that may, or, you know, often it's connected to budgets, meaning company, you know, if you're, if you're in shoestring or if you have a budget, so you can grow your team, but imagine you go from, you know, being one developer, then you go to three. So you become sort of the senior dev, you become five, then you might be the, be the tech lead or you know, CTO, there's no one above you doing anything with tech, Uh, Mm -hmm. then suddenly you may sort of get into two teams may be the natural next step and uh, then the open question is how much effort do you put on sort of what we call line management taking care of the people Mm. Uh, because that effort in itself is of course a task and tasks have greater than zero effort right so
1: Mm.
2: it's a bit about the culture you you decide as being the boss sort of oh Mm. i want to be a people manager and i'm going to put this much effort onto it Mm-hmm. balance with the other role oh i will want also to produce code and i want to guide my juniors and learn stuff and you know i want to help them i want to review and talk about code i will maybe you code together and so on so mm. so that's another factor if in bigger context i mean and that means bigger companies Mm. often these things are uh, decided by someone else it's like mm. okay here the people management means you have to do this and this and this and this mm. so that would result in being uh, like an engineering manager i was at Blocket, you know then there was zero time to do anything with code mm. if your team sizes you know okay i there was a lot of people but uh, you know i would say starting off around seven people then it's difficult to find space in your weekly schedule to you know open code maybe Mm -hmm. watch code but not write stuff right so uh, that's a a factor and this is very difficult transitioning a bit across these stages and Mm -hmm. this is also a topic which makes many startups uh, uh, fail Mm -hmm. Um, there can be different reasons one could be that the lead coder is more uh, you know is a great coder the craftsmanship and working with the code and Maybe not if we would call it extrovert, the the people guy who you know can let go of the keyboard and remember that if I touch it, I'm not focusing on the people around me. Mm. You know, I should do something else. but but when do you have that
1: uh, break crossroads, roads, yeah. uh, the crossroads? Uh,
2: mm. it's really tricky. And if you have sort of other roles in the company apart from the tech team, mm. you can also get help from someone on that side, sort of okay. I need to focus on code. Can you balance up with a bit of people help, people coaching here? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's really tricky. There is no sort of no straight answer. Uh, mm. Just saying that you can sort of make a test and ask uh, managers: At what team size will you have zero time for anything else than people leadership? And mm. I guess that number would land somewhere around seven to ten, right? Mm.
1: That's a pretty straight
2: uh, answer, at least. Mm. And that's also when you start thinking of. Uh, productivity in the in the team should you split into two is it mm. good or bad you know uh, mm. do you have leverage in being more people it depends on you know how your code is structured of course and yeah. you know so that you can work on different bits and pieces and if you uh, work with sprints and you know if you ship uh, bi-weekly or whatever so you can bundle something across the, all those people mm. that's where my uh was set <laughs> yeah.
3: uh, i think it's uh for me personally i uh, I think that that is quite also a step to go from coding. You're very focused uh, onto your own and then being a people manager. And because I've been in a team of that size, that like being active or even reviewing the code was not an option. I mm. also as a person is more of a, a people, people person. And so I, what I'm trying to see myself is more like an enabler uh, that the developers should be able to uh, move as quickly as possible. Uh, and then my role is to remove any blockers to um, kind of run before them so they can uh, move as fast as possible. Um, and I think my my challenge is sometimes if you talk about strategic or operational, that I sometimes need to step back a little and not kind of go into product work or maybe uh, like lean uh, back and uh, follow what the CEO is saying. So I am trying to keep in my corner kind of, but I, I also think that it's very important that you keep some aspects of the operational side, because what, what I think is interesting in this basically running a company or having this role is that you need to keep both levels like in your head at the same time, Mm. like what are we, where are we heading strategically and okay. What are we going to do next week to get closer to that long-term goal? Mm. Um, I think that that is something I personally find really uh, like fun and interesting to keep that balance. I, I don't say it easy. You can get yep. easily get lost in operational uh, uh, kind of, uh, midst of all, all operational questions and pressures. Mm. And you could also lose yourself in the strategic vision without actually having like losing Nuclear touch operations. with, yeah what the team is heading and how they're doing and so on
1: nice i have another idea for an approach to this question and um you know as an entrepreneur we have the luxury of kind of choosing what we want to do right so i think the best leaders are those that lead with charisma right you want to be inspired by your leader right and uh, you know i think what we do best is what we're, we're what we're passionate about so i think if an entrepreneur finds himself more passionate about being strategical he will still have to be operational but he can put his you know main effort into that and he will you know shine and he will you know being able to kind of be the star for his, for his ship. And and um, I think that's where he will be most beneficial as well. Where you find your passion, where you find where your passion crosses what you're good at. I think that's an indestructible kind of, you know, poetry motion. You just, you know, you can create kind of anything in that space. But if you feel like you have to be strategical, you have to be uh, more operational and you just do it, because something sometimes you have to put your head down and just, you know, get the job done. That's, there's no doubt about it. But most of the time, I think, if you, if you kind of just listen to your gut feeling and, and like, what do I love to do in here? What do I, where do I want to position myself in my own company, you know, or in this interim position, CTO position that I got. And there's so many options and um, we should, we should, you know, see the bigger picture and see that, Hey, you're, you're free to do whatever you want. So why not choose what you love to do? Why don't mm-hmm. you choose to do more of, you know, what's your, what's your love to do and find what you're good at. And you, you know, you can excel in that. Yeah. That's my two cents.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Have you got everything that you needed there?
1: I think so, yeah. It was a healthy discussion.
0: Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Okay, just conscious of time, so we'll move on to the last but not least. So Ren, you you came to me with a pretty cool question as well, which is how do you balance the need to to get time to pay off technical debts and non-technical stakeholders' demands for future delivery? Very, very technical question. How do you mean by this? Well, uh, I can take you a practical
3: example. I was in an assignment where... I quite quickly realized that uh, if we were able to pay off that technical debt, we had to close the shop for two years and then fix it and then come back to the market. And obviously, for obvious reasons, that was not an alternative. Uh, So uh, there was this slow process of handling the technical debt and then also trying to add uh, features, at the same time. And I I think there is, for many startups, there is a a position you can end up that you, of course, really quickly want to, uh, like, time to market, you want to ship something, and then you cut corners, you build up Mm. technical debt, and then you have built yourself into patterns and paths that you have a very hard time getting out of. And maybe if it's not tech people uh, like starting the startup, then you can have a very tough time coming in as a CTO and tell you, no, we have to spend a lot of time fixing things before we can ship or scale Mm. and grow. Uh, I don't know if you have ended up in similar situations, but uh, maybe you can relate to the challenge.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: So I would like to discuss with you and hear your experience of handling such uh, dilemmas. Yeah.
1: So my thoughts on this things with technical depth, it's a a yummy question, man. Uh, You'll never have enough of technical depth. There's always, you know, you can add some more unit testing. You could add more integration testing. You can always, uh, documentation is never enough, you know, documentation for communication over internet, documentation for your front and back end, you know, database. Security, security is, uh, you know, like a unicorn, the, the million dollar question, you know, it's so much to document around that and it, it, you will never be you will never be satisfied with I think it's like a work of art. you know, when, when is enough? When do you want to raise the pencil, say, now I'm finished with my technical depth. I think it's it'll be hard to find. But at the same time, it's a balance, you know you want to um, obviously keep the stakeholders happy. and you want to keep not only the stakeholders happy, but you also want the developers to feel like they're you know making progress. And um, there's a lot of nice tools should be mentioned for, you know, out documentation and these stuff that should be considered uh, when taking technical, technical technical depth, I've had uh, with a couple of my clients, we've done like a technical depth uh, sprint. We only focus on you know systems and setting up uh, rigorous tests and stuff. but um, um, yeah, I mean, similar to our our, our other questions, it's a balance. You know, there's no one straight answer, but um, it's a lot of approaches to it. And uh, I think I'd like the one with the two-week sprint approach where you only focus on taking the depth and then you kind of balance it out throughout the year.
2: Henrik, what's your... So, um, I mean, it's, uh, it's a very fascinating topic, uh, which you can take so many perspectives on um i i mean if a slightly humoristic uh, way of saying so the tech people needed to call it debt so that the business or finance guys understand what we mean <laughs> so, so that that is sort of a burden on their shoulders oh debt we understand that that costs mm. money that's bad mm. so uh, another fascinating aspect let's say we build a house we build it with concrete and then it's going to stand there for 100 years you you don't change it the walls are there but with code we can sort of check out commit and pr and change stuff so uh, you could also say why should we well of course there's so much going on and you know on many levels in the architecture things are happening so you know you could also think what is the reason behind that but that's a fact so we need to change and modify so this concept of technical debt is sort of part of that uh, it's part of the story when you build code you know I'll use, uh, you know, whatever, node uh, this week. And then next week they deploy, release a uh, next uh, minor version. So now I have that. Mm. So the concept in itself is a bit weird. It's like, how, why does my cheese age in the fridge? Uh, because I wrote the code and I thought it was good at the moment I wrote it. So it's the surroundings that are running. So you need to update. Mm. So this this is always a challenge. And then you have this another another phenomenon. Many people like to go to a party, but very few like to stay to clean up. Mm. So it means that the all of this energy and positiveness and urge which which is put in in building things hey let's build a you know a bookstore online and let's say it's 1999 and you put in 20 man years of code and you write it in asp.net or something and uh, you know the business is running the money is pouring in everyone's happy so no one bothers to think about the dirty dishes which lies around on the floor and suddenly you have sort of these hundred man years and the guys who built it, they left the company and you have some sorry, new CEO who takes over the leftovers and tells someone like us, Hey, can you fix our code? It's not working. Well, we want to do this and this and this, and they have a list of modern things and then you're like, okay. So I would place most of the, you know, code uh, repos, or if you call it that, you know, out there on on an axis saying sort of the worst cases where you have hundreds of man years in code which no one has bothered to update to you know li- li- less uh, uh, troublesome situations and and i guess those kamikaze situations then it might be easier just to pull the plug and start with a blank sheet of paper which often happens right mm. so it's really tricky but i would also say sort of the the persons requiring things if they are not tech oriented they will say you know build this new thing this new thing they only think about features build this build this build this they don't understand that sort of you have a car in your garage of course you need to to sort of fill refill oil after a while because the oil gets you know it vapor, vaporizes so you need mm-hmm. new oil right so it's a, they understand that you need these metaphors okay mm-hmm. you need to do that with code so okay i'll you so often it's on our side to tell the feature side 20% of our time will be you know making sure that this code base is maintained mm. so so and i mean in those worst cases 20% of your time is not enough potentially mm-hmm. you might need more but this question has been with me from day one sort of that you know the extreme is saying that developers would say we need to fix this. It's going to take five years. And then the business say, you know, you got five days. We don't have money to spend on those five years. Okay. So we need to balance that. That's our job to sort of find the sweet spot of balancing between feature dev and, and stuff. And I mean, I guess much of modern architecture corresponds to this situation. Why do we build in modules uh, as microservices? There are always new names on these things. Mm. why you know object-oriented language it was invented for the purpose of building objects and these mm. days we leave that and do functional things sort of and but we have microservices so then you need a librarian to tell people where the microservice is right so uh, there's concepts that try to mitigate the sort of built-in risk of fiddling with your code forever instead of letting the building stand there which of yeah. course is influenced by the surrounding. Yeah. And especially then... if you work with sort of framework and library coding, right? Uh, yeah. Which reusability, let's grab something else. Someone has built this, Facebook builds React, let's use it, it's great, mm. hold on. Uh, I need to now to follow their uh, release track and not my own, right? So yeah. it's, really, it's really tough and, and that's sort of, I think that's one of our core, uh, what should you say, core tasks, that's the thing we need to work on uh, all the time. So maybe
3: architecture is actually not the the correct picture. It's not a house we're building, it's more like a living thing that you have to take care of. That's way much more. Mm. And I have sometimes reflected on whether you should, when you code something that you should decide for how long are you going to keep it? Like best before a date Mm -hmm. on the code, Uh, so you uh, in the beginning know, okay i will throw this away in say five years then you Mm. can plan for that
2: ahead Mm. Mm. it's a very healthy thought experiment to do it like that sort of throw away i mean how how beta is this and and why so you Mm. have a thought around that okay so does
0: that answer your question there
3: (laughs) yeah thank you for your. Uh, thoughts right.
0: okay well enough bang on time chaps what I'll do I'll wrap it up there i to take this moment to thank Samir, Seren, Henrik thanks so much for jumping on and giving your insights on this such crucial topic and mm-hmm. um, I thank you guys for listening as well and uh, I'll see you next time thank you very much